What's up? Yeah, it's different, huh? Not a normal good afternoon and welcome, everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show. It's just an hour-long chat. We're just hanging out, guys. Ask away. Ask away. If you got questions, things about camp, anything Florida State-related, well, hell, whatever you want. It doesn't even have to be Florida State-related. It could be whatever you want it to be. Um, I'm fine with that, too. Within reason. Within reason. Uh, I'm Jeff. Tom is here with us. And uh, good afternoon and welcome, everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio. Not today. Nope, not today. Just Warchant TV, just Warchant.com, just podcast and video today. So that's what you get, and it's good to be with you. I hope you're well. Happy TPC Sawgrass Day. As uh, Got it on in the background over here to my left. So if I get distracted at any point, Tom, if somebody's had a good shot, then I'll be able to tell everybody about it in the chat. And I have Colin Morikawa in my betting pool, mm. my illegal gambling pool. He's seven under for the day. I feel very good about my chances of winning some money. Didn't pick Rory McIlroy today, did you? I did not. What did he do? He's plus three on the final hole of the day. So oh, I do not have Rory. In so fact, here's here's what he's going to do. Bet him on a top 10 after today. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> he'll make the cut, and then he'll fire 64 He's become the Matt Kuchar of the last five or six years. Oh, he's well, on the leaderboard. In fairness, he's had 16 starts internationally this year, and he's won four times. Yeah. So Matt Kuchar hasn't won a tournament in eons. I'm, um, I'm talking about uh, backdoor the top majors, tens. Yeah, and yeah. the majors, of course. I'm just, I'm just giving him a little bit more credit. Is all. I'm just, yeah. Um, my roster uh, in my major betting pool. Now I've got five lineups today. But the, the major one is, what do I have? I have Colin Morikawa, I have Patrick Cantlay, and I have Justin Thomas, who just teed off. So I, what did Cantlay end up at? Uh, that I do not know. Well, damn it, Tom. <laughs> what, are you working? Yes, I, yes forgive me. <laughs> I was working on uh, our golf tournament and also, uh, you know, the, the little spring camp thingy we got going on. Hey, so I want to get to spring camp in a second. Uh, I want to note that we only have – Six spots left in the golf tournament, the aforementioned Jeff Cameron Show yep. slash War Chant Invitational. Um, so that's awesome. That is uh, really, really good. And um, and then, oh, well, and somewhere along the way, we'll post the link up here if you guys wanted to, if you got your team of four and you're ready to go. Um, that's awesome. So please, uh, you know, get in today if you want to get in or else I'm worried you'll be left out is all I'm saying. It's a great cause. We work uh, closely with the second harvest uh, and they're a really, really good um, organization. They've been really helpful in this whole process. There you see it on the screen. It is uh, eventcreate.com slash E slash JCS golf 2023. Anyhow, it's on the screen. You guys can find it. And if you go to Warchant, you can find it. If you go to Twitter feeds and all that goodness, you'll, you'll find it. Um, yeah, it's a good thing. So, uh, let's, let's get back to this. I want to get to some of those questions, um, right off the bat. People were asking some stuff in the chat about football. Why don't we start with, um, you know, kudos to Mike Norvell and his wife donating a million dollars. Uh, that release came out today for people who, who don't know what I'm talking about. Let me read to you from the official release, um, that FSU sent out and, uh, pretty, pretty damn cool. Uh, you, you, you know, you'd like to think people would be willing to do that, but I also think, and not everybody is, so they deserve credit. Mike and uh, Maria Norvell committing $1 million to Seminole Boosters in support of Florida State Athletics. Uh, and that, 
That's that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. In a letter to FSU Vice President and Director of Athletics Michael Alford and Seminole Boosters Inc. President and CEO Stephen Ponder announcing their commitment, uh, the Norvells wrote, "Maria and I are grateful for the leadership you have shown." Leading our athletics department as well as the Seminole Boosters, we are grateful to be on the journey of elevating not only our football program, but all of our athletic teams to the journey uh, to the nation's elite together. I'm thankful for the position I have in leading FSU football. We would like to financially contribute to help the program and our athletic department as a whole. And uh, there's more to this. It will go on. Uh, they became the 300th member of the uh, Bobby Bowden, uh, the Bowden Society. And that donation will be split amongst the Dunlap Football Center Fund, the Bowden Society Facility Fund, and the Sports Nutrition Department in athletics. And if you consider what Mike Norvell's tasked with in his job, that makes sense. It's going to the facility. It's going to nutrition. It's going to future facility growth and all that, weight room. And so it makes sense. So well done. Bravo. Now go win a bunch of football games. Hey, you know, by the way, First impressions of camp. Let's get right to it, and then I'm going to go into the chat, and I'll start asking questions, answering questions. Uh, I'm going to use a weird word to describe camp uh, very briefly. It's just been two practices, and we saw the end of the tour of duty. But this struck me all three times. Maturity. Mm. Maturity is the word that I would use. They have a ton of it. Um. They've got a lot of leaders on this team. A lot of guys that other players, the newer players, some of the transfers, and the younger guys, as I'm referencing, can look up to and kind of be shown and guide, you know, guided towards the light. They've got a lot of guys on both sides of the ball. They're willing leaders. They walk it like they talk it. They're calm. They're measured at the right times. They're focused and intense. They're, they, it's just every drill you watch with these juniors and senior leaders, you really see the path that they're creating for the younger players and the newer players that transferred in. And it's impressive. It's the first time in a long time that I could say I witnessed that, see it in a way in which it's tangible. You know, you watch these things play out, these drills and these moments in practice when things get difficult. And they've got a lot of guys leading the way. So, you know, we always talk about athleticism. And we always talk about depth and size and all the things that you need to have, but it doesn't hurt. You know, I get tired of hearing announcers describe people as great leaders or there's great leadership in the locker room because most of the time I think it's lazy. Most of the time it's kind of cliche. It's a fallback talking point. You don't really know um, if that's true or not. I can tell you in the case of Florida State football, pro Florida State's football program, because we're there every day. We, we get, we're lucky. We're not a flying in to do the game on Saturday. I don't tell everybody about leadership that I haven't seen. This is, we're here every day. And I've watched it. You have too. We've talked to these players every day after practice. We talk to the coaches, the head coach and assistant coaches alike. And you can see it. It's, it's tangible. It's real. Yeah. To me, um, it's something that we saw beginning a lot more often two years ago, Jermaine Johnson kind of helped usher in, uh, a professional approach, but then also a collaborative approach. He came to Florida State because the challenge was, can you be a leader? I know you could be a good football player, but can you be a leader as well? He was one of those guys. Uh, Keir Thomas was a player who was a leader. Devontae Love Taylor, when healthy especially, took that extra time 
out to instruct and teach and be a bridge between the coaches and then his segment mates. Last year continued on. You could see Jared Verse talking with Julian Armella from time to time, pulling him aside, and they would encourage each other. Fabian Lovett was awesome about that, even when he was on the shelf and he wasn't available for the early portion of the season. And then Dylan Gibbons was always very good about that, pulling aside offensive linemen. He did really, honestly, guys, when you talk about individual reps and these drills that we cite, I mean, when it was individualized and not 11 on 11, Dylan was out there for maybe 20% of those drills. So an awful lot of time he would be on one knee watching guys work, pulling them aside, explaining to them the, the techniques, and it was good. But you're correct. I think there's more of an overwhelming segment-wide type of leadership from the top down. But the thing to me that makes me really smile, because yesterday was my first day out there, and the setup is a little bit different, the logistics of how we get in and get out. But just watching wave after wave of talent on both lines of scrimmage. I know you've talked about it a lot on headlines this week and in general after the tour of duty. We've discussed it, especially as it pertains to the offensive line. But the defensive line versatility that I saw yesterday is just incredible. It's not just a talking point for Adam Fuller to say that they could have a three defensive tackle look against a certain opponent. You look at what they have on the defensive interior, and they can play it any way you want to line it up on the other side. If you want to have a bunch of guys that will neutralize the line of scrimmage and just be large bodies, they've got that. If you want a more nimble bunch of guys on the field on a third and obvious or against a more pass-heavy team, they can do that as well. They're building that up at defensive end. I don't think they have enough answers there quite yet. But defensive tackles versatility is just off the charts good. And it's going to foster a really compelling battle between the offensive line, the defensive line, starting with the pads coming on tomorrow. I can't wait to watch it. The, the roster flip, talking to colleagues that we have that may not work at the same outlet as we do, the comments are a lot, uh, very, very similar across the board as we walk down the third baseline of Hauser Stadium. I can't believe he flipped it this quickly, is a lot of what you hear. And in the trenches, I agree. It is night and day different to two years ago. It, on the offensive line, is night and day different from last year. Yeah, it's to the point where they have one segment group that they really got to get focused on, and that's the linebackers. You know, I mean, everything else feels pretty shored up, and um, you feel good about the tight end room now. You felt terrible about it a year ago. Uh, two years ago, you just threw your hands to the sky and thought, well, we're screwed. Wide receiver. Um, yeah, well, receiver was an embarrassment. Uh, Florida State should never look like that at wide receiver. It's Florida State, for Christ's sakes. That just could never happen. But, you know, they flipped that room, too. Uh, it can get better. I, 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 they still don't have that separation guy. They still don't have the guy that, that changes the game, that changes the scoreboard in one play at wide receiver, I don't think. Um, they've got some good players and they've got guys that are going to help you win football games and they're a plus group for sure, but they don't have that one guy where you're like, Oh man, this guy's a problem. You know, like when you, a lot of times when you watch national championship level teams, you kind of, you see, remember that LSU team? I mean, their receivers were absurd and you're like, just looking around going, damn it, man, you know, this is a problem. You think you got a guy shut down and that bastard's running a four, three, you know? And so it's, we don't have that yet. They, they can get that. Um, uh, I no, and then I, I I think the secondary is going to be fun to watch, but they're loaded on the offensive and defensive line. They've got two good starters minimum uh, at the defensive end spot. I, I think they could use another guy to emerge. We'll see if that happens. They're loaded at running back. I mean, absolutely loaded at running back with plus talent. 
they, they may have something really special in Trey Benson. If he's going to start the year the way he ended the year, he may have a special season here that we'll be talking about many years from now, and we'll group him in with some of our favorite running backs that have come through here. So, yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I'm really excited to, to watch what they become, and that's a lot of what this exercise is in the spring. Yesterday was a big-time teaching day. They did a lot of instruction. You know, we were told by Alex Atkins uh, that that's what spring is fo- spring football is for, that we're going to teach. You're going to get back to the fundamentals. You're going to learn the playbook. You're going to do it the way we want you to do it, technique-wise. You know, and then you got you to get back to that. And a lot of the players have said that. The veteran players have talked about the paying attention to details, you know, rounding into form. Um, that – usually only comes up, not just for spring, Tom, but that normally only comes up when you have a veteran-laden group who is really sure of all the other stuff, right? Now we're getting into trying to to pursue perfection as opposed to just getting better. Now we're pursuing perfection. Now, you know, now it's, you know, on this show, we use a lot of golf analogies. Yeah, I'm a scratch golfer, but I want to shoot routinely in the 60s. You know, that that kind of mentality, those guys. That's not me, by the way. I do not. But but a professional golfer does, right? It's nothing for them to go out and shoot 72 on a par 72. They wouldn't even be happy with it. But, you know, that's that's a really exciting place to be. When your bad day is right around, uh, you know, par. So I think this team now is at a place where that analogy holds. I mean, if they just play okay in the vast majority of these games on the schedule, they're going to win them. They're going to win them. They have to play great a couple of times. Yeah. You, you feel the insurance policies in these you know, segment groups. That's what depth does. You know, there's this yeah. constant worry when you're walking around the practice fields and, and they held some guys out for fear. Of if we lose this guy, like why why is it worth it for him to work extra on a Tuesday? Because we need him on Saturdays. And yeah. and they worked that way with a couple of players because they had to. It was smart. Now you don't necessarily have to do that. It's not that you want to put players in harm's way, but you don't have to fear the monster around the corner anymore because you are the monster. Florida State is the monster, and that and that's where we're approaching. And just a couple of little details that I saw yesterday that I was really pleased with. We were standing next to each other at the beginning of the workouts with the defensive line and watching Braden Fisk's footwork is really impressive. That's a big boy. I'm glad he's able to do more than I thought he was going to do, Tom. He's out there working pretty hard. He can't do all the contact stuff, but he's loaded up and ready to go. Yeah. The size you can see on a photo or the size you can see on Warchant TV when you look at the practice footage. And that's apparent, and it's impressive. And when you combine it with Daryl Jackson and Fabian Love and some of the other guys that Florida State has, it's just, wow, this is wave after wave of player. But the agility and the footwork and the speed, uh, they were doing some you know light workout drills where it, it's more about your agility and it shows off mm-hmm. whether or not you can create angles and pursuit and all these kinds of things. And you never know a guy from Western Michigan, maybe he's not there to be any good at that. He's just there to plug a gap and that's his role. It looks like Braden Fisk might be somebody who could pursue a play to the edge and go make a play on the football, mm-hmm. which is all the more beneficial when you have two or three guys like that, that are going to line up basically over the ball and look the size of an NFL football player. Another guy I saw yesterday footwork wise And just this comparison is for professional purposes only. Brock Glenn, when he's on the move, is very impressive. The accuracy, the lack of thinking that you see. He's a true freshman, long way to go. But it reminds me of the difference between professional Jameis Winston in the pocket 
and professional Jameis Winston on the run. As Bucks fan, we fans, we saw this all the time. There was like a mechanical element to what he did in the pocket. It looked like he might have been aiming the football and cleaning up his mechanics. But if Jameis ever broke the pocket, the ball was going to be right here, right where it needed to be, on time, out with gusto. And when he didn't have to think. Yeah. Exactly. Glenn already is very impressive when he's on the move to me. I mean, jumps off the page. But there's there's a such a far, far, far path for him to walk before he's game ready in college football. It's just nice to know that that's in there because this offense can generate those kinds of looks and those kinds of passes. So I'm very excited to see what he does moving forward. But then otherwise, you look across the board at the receivers and the targets. I just think the breadth of what they have is going to is going to create mismatches yeah. where you might not have Tyreek Hill. You might not have Justin Jefferson. But the matchups themselves are going to demand that somebody's going to be wide the hell open, and it just gets really fun to think about. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply yeah they're all the the, the starters and in, in a couple of the backups are plus players I, I i when i denigrate the group it's not to say that i don't think they have what they need to win so they don't have a game changer at the position, the way that some of those guys are, a lot of the elite teams, like Ohio State, every time you watch their receivers, you're like, well, there's two of these guys are ridiculous. You know, they always have somebody. Um, you know, there's no Marvin Harrison Jr. on this team. Um, but but it's okay. You don't have to have those if you've got a bevy of, you know, four-star plus players. You know, that's if you have that, you're going to be all right. And they do have a ton of size, ton of size. They can do it any way you want. Good to see Winston Wright. You know, one of the things um, – I want to answer questions and I keep skipping over them. Um, one of the things I've noticed so far, and I don't think Mike would have a problem with me talking about this. He's really riding Winston, Wright, mm-hmm. Um, Which is a good thing because I think it means that he's really healthy and ready to go. And there's no, there's nothing holding him back. And I think the reason that Mike is getting after him after each rep and talking to him about technique and, high and tight and the stuff that, you know, finish the drill, finish the drill. Um, you know, he slipped yesterday and he, I heard him say, stay on your feet, you know, and just this talking to him. And I was thinking, oh man, he wants him to fill a meaningful role. He wants, and he needs to get it in the spring because he wants to hit the ground running in the fall with install. And he wants this guy ready to play football, not, you know, not just kind of worrying about his leg and learning that, no, he wants him ready to play football, so he's riding him. That's a good sign. It's a good sign that he's checked out at 100% across the board. And I think that's also a way of letting him know you're okay. You're okay. You know, because a lot of times it's here after an injury. And if Norvell's going to get on him like that, it's, it's also his way of saying, no, 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 you're fine. Let's go. Yeah, I remember in 16, after Dalvin had the shoulder injury, it was all about, pain tolerance and just letting it go and being free yeah because he had, he had the big brace on the louisville oh, game yeah. was, was a disaster 
and he had to pull himself off uh, for the USF game a couple of times, even though he had a huge day. Remember, he was on one knee and, and kind of holding the shoulder. And Jimbo openly said to the press, it, it's just up to him in, in terms of pain management. He's fine, but it, it's hard sometimes to believe. That oh, especially when you okay. feel pain. That's your body's way of saying, hey, man. Well, and if you're leading as a battering ram with your shoulder and you're yeah. going at hyper speeds that Dalvin does, but then once it clicked, it clicked. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there is something to that. And playing fearless cool. is going to be very important, especially with how competitive these drills are going to be. That, you know, that back you know half of practice, what would you say, the last five, six periods, it started to feel a little bit more like, okay, that they are building to something here where it's going to be a compelling product to watch uh, as we get in there. Riley asks, can we just talk about the orchestration on the heels of contract extension, funds all nutrition, all facilities, and of course, the FOF. But then it's also announced as the 300th society member, uh, and it goes on to say, it's just so organized. Yep. Yeah, it is organized. And that really has been the calling card of Mike Norvell since he's arrived. We've talked about it, it, it to the point where it became kind of a running joke. People, uh, there were members of WarChant that would, you know, uh, I'm talking about uh, subscribers that would write to us or in Twitter be like, I get it, he's organized. Can he win some damn games? You know, that was the kind of the catch fall. All people would be like, great, great. Please stop telling me he's organized after we lose to Jacksonville State. You know, it's like that was how people responded to us letting you know that he was buttoned up. This is further evidence of how buttoned up they don't go forward with things unless it's been well thought out and it's orchestrated and organized in a way that they can be proud of and present. So it's in character. It's in lockstep with the other stuff that he's done. Garrett writes, do you think Toa Feely will have the same role as he did last year with Ward leaving, but Holmes coming in to compete? Yeah, kind of. I do. I, you know, I, I don't you I like Toafili. Don't you do it. <laughs> they got guys, man. They've got they got a lot of guys. And um I like several of them. I like several of those guys. I get excited about a lot of those players. And so the running backs have versatility. They got a lot of versatility. And they got a star in Trey Benson. Um, so yeah. By the way, I I the Holmes kid's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I like him too. You talk about competition to get on the field, Tom. Yeah. Woo! Massive to be a running amount, back in that room is tough. Massive amounts of competition. I think what Toafili provides you as a pass catcher is obvious, and so therefore it's going to yes. command and demand an awful lot. He's which basically part, a receiver. Which is part of the role that Garrett is talking about. I, I think there are more carries out there for him. He's gotten a little bit denser. He ran with more conviction last year. And if Trey continues to have the issue, this is the one flaw in his game in my mind, is he's timid at times. If, if Trey Benson continues to have the issue about being timid, you're going to need somebody to go along with him that will not wait, and they will and they will hit the hole as quickly as they can. And his name Holmes is Rodney Hill. Rodney Hill could be that guy. Toa Feely could be that player as well. I, I, this is going to be interesting. It'll also matter how these guys handle pass pro, how they handle lead blocking when it's not their turn. I mean, you can really be picky when it comes to who you want out there for certain situations and certain looks and plays. So it'll be fun to see how it all sorts out way too early to make a determination on who's going to take Ward snaps and, yeah. and the lion's share of them. Eric writes, Jeff and Tom, do you guys think this is our year to win it all with several players coming back and the newcomers from transfer portal and high school level? I believe our Knowles can be champions. Um, 
I hope they are, Eric. I wouldn't preseason say that they're the favorites to win a championship. I think they can win the ACC. I think they can make the college football playoff. I don't know that they have enough elite-level depth to win a national championship. Um, but, hey, let's find out. Let's let's get to the playoff and see what happens. I mean, I, I think they're good. I think they're really good. I wouldn't. I was on a show, uh, an Atlanta show yesterday, and the host asked me that question. He said, "We're hearing so many positive things about Florida State. We're hearing, you know, that they're expecting a lot in Tallahassee. Uh, Mike hasn't backed away from those expectations, so he's had some public comments that I'm sure the national media has looked at and thought interesting. Um, so." You know, the questions now are no longer is Florida State back and is Florida State going to have a good season? The questions are, are they all the way back? As in, can they win the national championship? Hmm. I mean, I don't think they'll win the national championship this year. I, I thought they would. And I think in 2012, Tom, if memory serves, we thought they were a contender to win the title. We said as much before the year. And that's why just winning the Orange Bowl was a disappointment. Um, that's why we were kind of like, eh, you know, you blew it. You, you, you had a had a team there. We didn't know in 2013 they were going to go out and win it all. <laughs> um, but, but you know, obviously nobody knew Jameis was quite that kind of special. But, but yeah. Yeah, I think in the three-year run of 22, 23, 24, this is your best shot. This is your best shot to be a national champion right here. Uh, next year, there's just so much purging. Oh, you got so much you got to replace, yeah. And that, that was the difference between 2012 and, and 13 and say this year and next is that, you know, LaMarcus Joyner was back for another year. Timmy Jernigan returned. Telvin Smith returned. James Wilder returned for another year. And I know you could say, where was he going? But you needed that element of toughness in the, uh, the running backfield with Chris Thompson departing. So at the time, you didn't know what you had. Kelvin Benjamin emerged out of nowhere in 13 to become a Well, they finally got him to get in player. shape. Yeah. Right. But, you know, they had a lot of returning talent that was otherworldly and also veteran. I, I don't know that that's going to be the case next year. So if you're looking for your best shot this year, right here, right now is the best shot in a three-year sequence. I think we'll be waiting till 2025 before we have anything that resembles a shot like this one. Again, also because in the other, uh, the other power schools in the field, they're breaking in new quarterbacks, and th that's not a sure thing. Not everybody's going to be a Trevor Lawrence or a Bryce Young. So hopefully that's the case, or Stroud. Hopefully that's the case again this year for the other power players like Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. I think this is the best chance they have to win one uh, in a long time. I, I don't think there'll be a team that you can say that about next year. I think they'll be good, though, by the way. I, I think the, some of the younger players are going to be good, and I'm excited to see how they grow. But I don't know that it would be fair to expect with what they're going to lose. It would be fair to expect them to win a national championship the following this season. I mean, this is, you've got a, a veteran quarterback who has complete command of this offense and trust and belief in his teammates. And, you know, I, I, that goes a long way. Plus this offensive line is unreal right now. Um, yeah. Claude says it's a 12 team play. I get it's a 12 team playoff. I'm talking about national title. I mean, they'll have a shot to be a playoff team next year, but yeah, when yeah. you look at that defensive line and you see, that Fisk and Daryl Jackson and Lovett are probably gone after this year. I mean, just I want to enjoy them while they're here first. But I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot to replace. And buyers will be gone next year. I mean, it, it's and of course, Jordan. I mean, I'm not even getting to the skill players. I'm just talking about the trenches. That's there's a lot of work to be done this upcoming offseason and, and 
right here, right now in terms of development to have those replacements ready to go. Brian asked, what's your current analysis of the potential for the kicking game? I don't have any. I, I think it's too early. The The kids have both made their kicks for the most part when we're out there. Um, nobody has really stood out in a way, in a negative way. Uh, I do think Mastromano has been punting the hell out of it uh, with a lot of hang time. He's gotten huge too, by the way, guys. He's a big dude. He's put on all kinds of muscle. I, I don't, You know, it's interesting, but. They he, said he, 25 pounds. It kind of looks it, right? He's huge. He looks <laughs> like he wants to. Yeah, I mean, he may be. Uh, he's eating at the Bama table, guys. And uh, I think he's going to have a big year. Yeah, not sure why, but okay, go yeah, for it. Well, I, maybe he felt like he needed more leg strength and, and he's put on the, a lot of the weight uh, in his legs too. So he's, he's a big dude. Um, I don't know. Uh, R. Wilmer writes, how much does the program owe Jermaine Johnson for setting the new expectations of, uh, of the program? I think, I think that went both ways, by the way, shared an elevator with Jermaine Johnson on, um, Friday. And, um, I don't know why he was here. I think he was working out maybe. Um, but he was here, and he is still gigantic. Uh, and it was just me and him in the elevator, so it was a little awkward. And uh, he, he walked into the elevator with the largest Nike necklace I have ever seen. It's like this. It's like Flavor Flav's clock. It just <laughs> says Nike, and it's diamonds, and it's massive. And I thought, well, you're safe here. I hope you're not walking around New York with a giant Nike <laughs> because you're going to get ganked, man. I'm going to read about you. This is not good. I mean, it's huge, but he was as nice as ever. And I said, hello. And we chit chatted a little bit, but not much. I don't think he knows who I am, but it's, <laughs> and, and he shouldn't, but he doesn't, I don't think he, my point is, I don't think he remembers me interviewing him when he was here and asking him questions or anything. Um, and it made me laugh, but he's gigantic. And uh, I, I wish him well. Oh, as far as the what what the program owes, it worked well for both parties. Jermaine came in and was a pro's pro and changed apparently changed his reputation. I mean, there were people who had question marks about Jermaine Johnson. I don't know what happened at Georgia. I know he had a sort of a circuitous route to Florida State, uh, and so I'm not real sure what happened at all all of his stops. But I think it led to some question marks about who he was. And I don't necessarily even mean bad. It's just that people kind of thought he was a little, little, little out there, a little different. And they weren't sure if he was a good guy or a bad guy or what. But when he came out of here, the coaches raved about him. We know from watching him on a daily basis, he did everything right. He worked really hard. He set the tone. Of course, his play on the field was exemplary. So I, I don't. You know, I'm sure a lot of guys looked up to that, but I also know Florida State served him very well, and he has said as much. That became an instant love is love affair. Mm -hmm. um, Matthew writes, if we go five wide, who's on the field? Mm. All right, well, Johnny. Uh, I think this year Winston Wright will be on the field if in that scenario. Okay. Um, I, I believe he'll get to that place. Uh, I would say, uh, will you say Williamson is going to emerge? In that he role, could, uh, he they really want him to, and they, they want him very, to clearly. They do. Yeah, they, they speak very highly of, of Darion. Um, I, I don't know that I put him in the five because I would count tight ends in five wide. So, well, I, yeah, in that case, obviously Jaheim Bell is on the field because guys, he has hit the ground running. He's out there repping with the ones a lot, and he's. I'm not saying he is a one because right now depth chart doesn't matter, but he's out there with those guys, and he's he fits right in as a 
an elite starter. He's going to play and play a bunch. So he would be out there because he's a mismatch. I don't think a linebacker can run with him. I don't think his safety is big enough. So he's a mismatch. I've been impressed with Morlock too, the both of them. He's gigantic. Smooth. Just uh, he, you shouldn't be that smooth and that bulky at the same time. That's it's kind of like the the offensive pass catching version of what a Fisk could be or what Lovett is when he's at full speed. It's just that size should not glide the way it does. I'm oh, yeah. very impressed with both of those guys. Riley wanted to know, did it look like Fisk added weight due to the injury? Nothing egregious, just looked a bit bigger than his film. I stood next to him yesterday, so did you, Tom. Stood next to him the other day. He's the right weight, yep. whatever you perceive that to be. He is the right weight. He's a big bitch. He looks the part. Uh, he's he's right where he needs to be. Um, that's just a that's a he's he's going to help us. He's going to help us. Is there a leader in the DB room, right, Zyler? Uh, probably Renardo Green. Uh, Renardo has done everything right again so far early on in camp, and he's got a lot of what for to him. And um, you know, I think that comes from having to really kind of flip his reputation in that room, right? That's a guy that went from an afterthought, we were wondering if he was going to be on the team, to being your best starter a year ago at corner. Uh, and now I think he's got a whole bunch of get you some. And uh, I, I think he's a leader in that in that room. But I don't know that. I'm not in that room every day. And a lot of the guys are vocal. So, you know, I'm sure that you, you, could, you could point to a number of guys. But he seems like a leader. He's physical. That's the other part of it. He seems a lot more confident and sure of himself just to begin practice. He's also uh, – he's gotten denser, I think. Same thing with, like, Shaheen Brown and Azaria Thomas. They put in the work in the workout room. But I think it's too early to tell. Pads come on. That'll help assert uh, by, by merit who deserves to be the leader. And then also with the new defensive back coach. They got to get used to him. And, and who does he like and who does he pluck from the huddle to put out there on the field with the ones and the twos, that's going to be settled probably, you know, two weeks out of spring, uh, spring break here. Um, I know we hear a lot about other positions in Benson. How are the rest of the, Oh, am I reading that right? I know we hear a lot of other positions in Benson. How are the rest of the running backs? Oh, okay. Um, the good. rest of the running, the rest of the running backs are good. They're, it's a loaded, it's a loaded backfield. They're all good. There's there are times when you see big plays being made and big plays. I mean, again, they're in pajamas, as Mike Norvell said. But you see a, a, a play being made. You turn your head and say, "Who the heck was that?" Oh, C.J. Campbell. Oh yeah, C.J. Campbell. Like he is your fifth or sixth best option. And I think three years ago he might have been one of your top two. It's just unbelievable how good this running back room is. Somebody in that room is going to transfer, guys. I'm just going to tell you that now. I mean, I, I'm not talking to those guys. They're not whispering in my ear. Nobody on the program has said this. Yep. I, my observation, in my opinion, is that somebody in that room, maybe two people in that room, are going to hit the road. It's just so much competition, and those are all kids that could play somewhere. They're all kids that would deserve touches and and could start somewhere, uh, maybe even within the ACC. Like, I'm just saying, they're that good. They're not the kind of kid where you guys hear me joke and I say things like, you got to put your arm around somebody and tell them there's a spot waiting for them at uh, Marshall. Uh, no, I mean, like these are the kinds of kids where you wouldn't be surprised if they followed, uh, the Malik McLean, uh, methodology in, in which they say I'm transferring from Florida state to Penn state and get well, a chance to play. Cause they're, they're, they're good. And they've got another one coming in at a high school in the summer. Uh, I, I think if you're say my guy, Rodney Hill, 
with Trey Benson leaving after this year, you're going to be okay. But if you're somebody who's been here for quite a few seasons, you know, yeah. if you want to play one extra year next year, it might be time or it might be time now. It'll be interesting to see. But yeah, Florida State has another recruit coming in as well in Singleton to kind of mix it up as well in the segment group. Uh, is is it finally a breakout year for Travis J and Stephen Dix? Well, there never will be a Stephen Dix Jr. breakout year, guys. That doesn't, it's not a thing. Um, he's going to play a, a role for this team. I imagine he's on special teams. He'll get some run in some of the games against lesser teams. Um, he's a straight ahead guy. He's a straight ahead guy. He's a big, strong, straight ahead guy. Last year, before he got hurt, he was having his best season. He was having his best camp. He was doing a lot of things well. But it's relative, guys. His ceiling is not where it needs to be to be on the field a lot. Um, he looks the part every bit. I know that he's beloved on the team. You know, he, he is a guy that the other players like works very hard. And so I don't have anything negative to say about him. I just don't think my evaluation of him as a player is that he's just limited. And I think he's reached his potential on it. Lateral speed is not his forte. Um, Aaron writes, Oh, as far as Travis Jay goes, who knows? He's practicing. Well, he looks great. He always looks great. Uh, he always looks the part. He's one of the best athletes on the team. So we'll see what Patrick Sertan can get out of him. I don't know. It's too early to tell. Aaron writes, holy blank. Is that three candles? Let's go. Yeah. Uh, three candles. Yes. Three candles. Indeed. Um, by the way, guys, I gotta tell you, I've got some new candles. I got it. Maybe oh, in a minute, God. I'll take a break and I'll go get them. Wait till I, I'm going to show. I'm going to be a candle show. The people at Target are going to love me. Wait till I wait till I show you this candle. It's unbelievable. One of the best smelling candles I've ever had. I bought five of them the other day, Tom. Spent almost $100 on these candles. Uh, I'm sure the, the housewife next to me uh, in the checkout line was like, oh, look at that guy buying candles for the house. He must Is that a Sarah McLaughlin CD to go <laughs> Did you go to Lilith Fair? Uh, Garnet Gold and Glory. When did we stop playing Major League Baseball teams during spring training? You know what? I told a story to Dr. Birch this morning uh, at Birch Orthodontics about the time that Bryce played catch with Jameis Winston when the Bryce, my oldest son, now he's 15. He was a little, little tyke back then. Uh, I went into the locker room before the Florida State New York Yankees exhibition game in spring training down there in Tampa. And to your point, you know, that we were playing MLB teams and uh, it was always fun. I remember one year we played the Phillies in Clearwater. Uh, I went to that game, in fact, and hung out. Um, the cool story about that was uh, afterwards, I had uh, shared a pitcher of beer uh, with Ryan Howard uh, and Jimmy Rollins, um, which was really cool. That's not like a, a low key name drop or anything like that it's a true story uh it was at the um the uh, uh hooters it's at the hooters of course so, it was you're, yeah. well, you're in clearwater yeah yeah you gotta go to one of the is that the original hooters yeah yeah so we went to i, I was trying to think why we went i went with mike because i well never mind uh we went to hooters and uh they were there and we shared a pitcher of beer very funny. Ryan Howard was a really nice guy. So was Jimmy Rollins. Uh, I don't know why they're not playing major league um, teams in spring training the way the way we used to. That was fun. That was cool. Tom writes, Tom, with, with that being said, do you think next year is a one-year uh, portal quarterback? No, I don't think so. No, uh, because Tate, 
should be back for year 17, and he looks fine so far this camp. Uh, Duffy is very much going to be in the battle. You know, I skipped over him just because Glenn is new. I had not seen what he had, but Duffy had a decent day yesterday. Mike Norvell praised it. He as did the look best good yesterday. He's had. He did. Uh, and then you're going to bring in uh, the Croman Hook, Croman Hawk kid uh, at, from the 24 class. So I, I think you're all right there. And especially with how this offense is developing, you don't need to be Superman to be a quarterback at Florida State anymore. Jordan Travis had to be Superman two years ago, even for stretches this past year, like the Florida game. Have to be Superman to win on offense. Mm-hmm. That's not what we're building around here. We're building somebody who can just be a good quarterback and not have to be anything more. So I don't think they need to dip into the portal. Uh, how bad do we beat Wake this year? Trey is asking us that question. I hope by 100, man. I'm calling for it. I started the... I started the movement to get uh, to get this team to beat the bejesus out of Wake. Just like take out your frustrations for all of the losses to Wake or close games with Wake and moments where you're like, God, dog. you know what? It's not even it's not even a criticism of Wake Forest. Like Wake's out there competing. Good on you, Wake. I mean, you got no business being out there competing. No business, but you do. And not only do you compete, you win your fair share of games, and you deserve credit for that. But I'm done with it. And I'm going to tell you that you go be competitive with somebody else. Your time being competitive with us is over. And we're, we've ascended back to where we need to be. And now you go beat NC State on a Saturday. You go beat these other also Rams. You don't beat the, the creme de la creme of the conference. That's, that's, that's it for you. That's it. And I think that's just because they symbolize our ineptitude over the last several years, I take out my anger. I'm projecting on to wake my frustrations of less than stellar football being played around here for several years. So it's not Wake's fault, but they're going to have to pay the piper. They're going to be the ones that have to pay a dear price. So you send the resounding message to Wake this year in the form of some 66 to 7 ass kicking, and then you feel like you kind of you got out of your system a little bit. Yeah, Wake with its uh, 7,000 person enrollment getting an equal check. This has been a problem of mine for a long, long time. I'm glad people are yelling about it now. That's why I take it out on Wake. It has nothing to do with their overachieving football program. You know, when we were two, three years ago at the tour of duty, three years ago, Mike Norvell's first one, just before the pandemic, I remember saying, I hope we're a lot like Wake Forest this year, that we're plucky and we find a way to play better than what I'm watching in terms of athleticism on the field. Wake Forest does it all the time. Maybe we could be like Wake Forest. So that's the compliment to Wake. But then on an administration level, on a program and university level, kick them down the hill. Kick them down the hill. Please do. Um, it makes me laugh because you and I are very similarly frustrated for all the for all the reasons that you've just stated. And I, I had a guy from Wake. I was trying to find it in my email just now. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, but I can't. He, yeah, I got he, I, I'm sure somebody sent it to him, and uh, and they had fun with it. But I can't find it anymore. Uh, was it not, an angry, angry email? No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't a crazy person email. It was just I was trying to find it. I think I deleted it. I, I can't find it right they now. Sent you a brochure about their Earth Science Department. It's well, it's a great school. If if Bryce got into Wake Forest, I wouldn't be upset. Um, it's a good school. It's just that uh, I'm done with it. Okay, so let's get back to this. Um, all right, where were As we you can tell people there are no commercials today because we're not on the radio. So it's all us and all you. So it might not go to three o'clock, just a little heads up. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I'll stay a little bit longer than an hour. This has gone well, yeah. but maybe but not not till three. Uh, where was I? I think Thomas 
what's his question? What's the percentage of snaps we see 12 and 22 personnel? Um, so you, you, one running back, two tight ends is 12 personnel, if that's what you're asking uh, for, for people who don't know. Um, so uh, what's the percentage of snaps? 12 personnel and then 22 personnel, two running backs, two tight ends. Um, I love that they have the versatility. You know, I'm thinking about answering this question and I'm, I'm, you know, racking my brain for percentages, but in truth, to answer your question, Tom, I don't know the answer to that question, but they can do it and they yeah. can do it with viable options at both tight ends and both running backs in the 22 personnel and the 12 personnel. And I hope we're in a lot of 12 personnel, frankly. Uh, I love, I, I hope it's a, a ton. Let's hope the answer is a ton because I never wanted two tight ends on the field with that sorry ass crop we had. And now I'm like, yeah, hell go out there with three of them. If you want, let's go. Yeah. I think 12, it's kind of cheating in a way with 12 because Jaheim Bell is going to be all over the place. You'll count him as a tight end. And so yeah. therefore 12, 12 is going to be through the roof. I would think as a base. 22 to me has to be more specialized. You've got too many good receivers to not have them. I, on yeah, I was thinking that too. I just like that they could do it. They could if they wanted to. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's, could, that's the yeah. fun part. That's the my favorite part about trying to answer that question is me thinking, I like those options. Yeah, but Jaheim and Morlock or Jaheim and, and Biscuit on the field the same. I mean, come on. That's got to be often, very, very often. Uh, Ryan wants to know who is your starting the starting five on the offensive line. Here's the, the truth. We don't know. We don't know. Uh, and you're saying, who's yours, Jeff? I don't know. I need more evidence. I've got a, a love affair with like eight of these guys. I'm telling you, they are stacked. They've got giant dudes who can move. And that competition is going to be intense. I said earlier, I think you could have upwards of three new starters for sure. Maybe four. I mean, they have that kind of a competition going on here i we this is how good the competition is guys there are no guarantees that julian armella starts yep correct so that that's there are i'll, I'll give you one better are you sure robert scott starts no no i'm not right um, right i think if this is an important spring for him to miss you know there there are guys that are going to miss spring well one guy namely micah Pittman, who will have a job for sure when he comes back he'll be in the receiver rotation and he will be your punt returner so that is set and then how many catches he gets it depends on the scheme and week to week and all that that was last year too micah had one week with five catches another week with none so that's going to be the same thing as it was last year the tackle battle is going to be fierce, and I love it. I mean, there are so many good candidates here relative to previous seasons. Like, even though I was the guy touting last spring everything about Bless Harris and going into the fall, I ranked him pretty high in the top 40 because I thought he would start it right over Darius Washington, and he was going to. I had forgotten about him being a true contender in the fold here, but he's for right for the right side. He's in that battle. Byers as a tackle if you need him. I want to say absolutely fit to play tackle. Byers is going to start. So, oh, and I don't, we don't know where, but Byers is going to start. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I'm just, I'll make that prediction for you. I, Byers is going to start. There's nobody that is that big that should run that fast. Mm -hmm. He's gigantic. He, it's like he glides. It's, yeah. um, he's I a think, starter. He's going to start. Roddick, Roddick will start as well somewhere. So it's a mountain, it, you can't move. It, it, listen, yesterday, 
I was standing there with my friend uh, Pat Burnham, and we were watching the offensive line go back and forth. And both of us looked at each other when we heard Roddick's hands hit the hit the hit the chest of a player, and we went, "Jesus, those are some heavy hands." I can hear it up here. Yeah. Standing in Hauser, you hear his hands when he puts those heavy hands on you. You're like, "Ooh." Look, man, he, it's force times lever arm, right? He's got both. He's got yeah, the he's lever big. arm. He's got the force. Yeah, he's, he he's, he's big. Super um, stout. But, yeah, I mean, those guys, Roddick could be a guard or a center. Byers could be a guard or a tackle. Armella could be on the bench or out there. So could Robert. And Bless Harris is in the rotation as well. Darius is still going to rotate there. Maybe they like him. Maybe he's developed and jumped because of being pushed in practice. Robert Scott comes back in fall camp. And then my guy, Lucas Simmons, maybe by the middle part of the season, you never know. Maybe he's developed enough up top. Yeah, I, I think he'll play the requisite four games, and that's it. I don't think he's going to be a viable option starter in year one. But he's his potential is through the roof. They've got so many guys. I mean, Kenai Charlton is 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 looking good, right? I mean, he, he can move. He's lost the weight that he needed to lose, and he's – God, just so many guys. Richardson, um, Richardson and Early both got a lot of talk from the one-on-one that you did with Alex Atkins. So, so well, okay. Early, Early is you can see why he's a he's a. They have guys. This is the why we're giddy. This is why we're giddy. They've got dudes. Uh, Trey wants to know: Should Noel Nation expect another step of improvement uh, from JT? Well, I, I you know I think. By the end of last year, he had kind of seen his potential realized, and um, he's in, he's a really he's in a comfortable place in his head. You can tell he's very sure of himself and confident. Uh, he looks great out there, guys, right now. Um, but I don't. He was sensational last year. I guess what I would say is that I think he won't have a stretch of games like he did during the three game losing streak. I don't think that'll happen. If we lose, it won't be because he has one of those games where you're like, what the hell was that? Um, I don't think that game's in him anymore. I mean, he's going to have good games and, and, and great games. There aren't going to be too many moments where you're like, Jordan played terribly. I just don't see that happening in this offense. He might. Every, good players have bad days. I mean, we see it all the time. But I just, with the way the schedule looks, with the offensive line being what we think it is, with all the weapons we just got done describing, I just think Jordan's going to be consistently great. And the, the problem for Jordan in terms of like being a standout Heisman candidate is that I think Florida state in several of these games next year could win the game without him having to do much. Like he may just be a facilitator of handing the ball off a lot of quick passes out on the perimeter, you know, checking down to guys and just making plays. They've got athletes spread the ball around and let them make plays. You've got running backs for days. You got a huge offensive line. You're going to physically impose your will on a lot of teams on this schedule. And that means the quarterback doesn't have to run for a hundred yards and throw for 300. He's not going to have to do that. I will be very interested to see how he handles the expectations and his newfound confidence, because we've gone from two kickoffs ago at Charlotte, him talking about, I wanted to quit because I, I've listened to too much noise on the outside and I doubted myself. To that dude is overflowing with confidence now. <laughs> you can see it. He's a completely different dude. So that that takes on its own life. And and I and being the quarterback at Florida State as a top ten football program takes on its own life. There's a different set of burdens. It's like Florida State baseball back in the day. Regional weekend, no problem. 
Super regional win uh, weekend, no problem. Omaha, different set of circumstances. There are there are things that come with that. So I just want to see how he handles that. But I think as a as a player, if he makes a five percent improvement, he's still going to be unbelievably good, elite at this level. If you had to build a team around one player on the team, not Jordan Travis, who would it be? That was from Marcus. It's tough in football on that one. Uh, it is tough in football. I'm always going to choose an. I'm always going to choose an offense or a defensive lineman. Yeah, I think if you're building this thing from scratch, and let's say you're starting a franchise, which means that there'll be a payoff on a in a two or three year window. You're taking that, one of the linemen. It's Lucas Simmons. I mean, I, I keep going on about that guy, but that's that's a pro. That's not the problem. Is that's not the question, right? He, he's he's trying to build a super team that can go out and win right now, probably. And so, who would you take? Um, you know, I'm going to go with a hunch. Here's my hunch. My hunch is that Daryl Jackson is a problem for a lot of offensive lines this year. I think he has a chance to start over Fabian Lovett. Now, you can start them both, and it's not going to matter because they're all going to rotate a ton. But that people shouldn't look like him. It, it, it's wrong that he's that big and, and versatile and strong. And, you know, I, I don't know, maybe him, maybe him. He's a freak. I think he's going to have a great year. Yeah, I, I'd like to see pads work first before I say I see P. Simpson as in the chat with Byers. I just I want to check that box real quick, but mm -hmm. just by the look of Jeremiah Byers, that's a good candidate. I, I don't know. I mean, it's it, football. It's so impossible. One dude, but Trey Benson. I mean, you know, that, well, that's you have a yeah, too. yeah. Uh, anyone impressed with Jeff's coordination of hat and polo? It is impressive, guys. If you look at the inner collar, look at that, guys. Now, let me let me tell you something else. The answer should be a resounding yes. Um, <laughs> but let me let me tell you something else about this, guys. This purchase and this purchase, completely separate, done at two different times. This is with the naked eye, the ability to observe a perfect match on the rack at two different places. So the coordination of this outfit took place over an elongated time, like months. I bought this when we played the Robert Trent Jones course, right? Isn't that what this is? Yeah, this is the Robert Trent Jones course. So you and I played this event. I didn't know you got that shirt there. Good for you. Yeah, I got this shirt at the Robert Trent Jones course that we played for that event that we went to. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I loved it. I just It's a nice shirt. It's a, it's a comfortable shirt. And, uh, and I wanted a memento. So I bought the shirt and then probably uh, almost a year later, I was in the capital city country club pro shop getting ready to go out. And guys, I don't know if you know this, I'm bald and you can't be out there in the sun with no hat. And I realized I'd forgot my golf hat. And so I, well, one of my golf hats, I have several. And I looked over to the left and I was like, oh, I'll just buy one here. Throw a little money back at a club. I love so much, throw a little money back. So I walked over there to the hat and I saw this one, and I went, that's a perfect match of my Robert Trent Jones golf shirt. Can you believe it? I think in some ways that's more impressive than all of you will ever realize, that I matched colors perfectly. Two it's different stores, eight months apart. 
more impressive than Daryl Jackson's size, more impressive than Jordan Travis' elusiveness. It, it's it's a, a unique, completely. I'll tell you something. Unique. It's not the first time I've done it either. Oh, on another hey. on another day. I, on another day, I will get into it. I'll tell you some other great stories where outfits came together two and three years apart. It's an amazing gift. Uh, Thomas writes, Jeff, in your mind's eye, what's the most likely path for FSU to leave the ACC? For other members of the ACC to also want to leave the ACC and begin to make that known to everybody, like as in eight of them or seven more of them, um, I, I think that's maybe a way in which you get them to come to the bargaining table and say, all right, we got to get something for this for the people that are going to stick behind or whatever it might be. And I, I don't, maybe you create, um, you know, you, you create a moment of um, what is it described as in um, remember the movie JFK, Donald Sutherland's character, Mr. X is talking to him on the park bench and uh, on the square. And, uh, and he says, uh, critical mass, you reach a place of critical mass. Like maybe you get to that point where it's, it's where they start realizing, well, the, the rats are leaving the sinking ship. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be like what our friends at uh, ISF do. We got to create solutions. We're solutions. I love it. And if you create solutions for seven other places and you don't really need, even need to do that much because you already have solutions, working solutions for at least three of the others. So if you collaborate with a network, your colleagues in the ACC, to find a good home, to find a good home for somebody. You know, it's it's not unlike what a coach does at the end of, say, a spring camp or a fall camp. And they know this guy's not going to cut it on the roster. And you don't have to leave per se, but if you'd like to play, I have a great opportunity for you. Yes, it's group of five, but you will start. You will start. And so can we talk about that opportunity? Because you want the ball. I want to give you the ball. I can't. Got too many good players. But you know who can give you the ball? The Big 12. And the Big 12 can give you the ball for $47 million a year. It's a wonderful deal. You should take it. You know, maybe you figured that out through a compensation study the way that ISF did with the Florida, Florida Guardian ad litem. Uh, they oh. did a compensation study, Tom. And, uh, you know, they, they looked at the legal interests of uh, – uh, the the vulnerable children in this state uh, that the guardian ad litem help out. Perhaps we do sort of a compensation study, much the way ISF does with their partners, uh, and and we look at the, the rest of the teams of the ACC and the vulnerable ones at that. Tom, and we show them that your best path is not to remain here; it's to get with the getting, and the getting is in the Big Twelve. A compensation study suggests that Louisville, you need to go to the Big Twelve. And uh, perhaps you too, Virginia Tech, need to take it on down the road to the Big 12. That, that's where you have the folded paper. You put it in front of me and say, as you can see here, this is where you are. <laughs> and it's the power play, you know, where you have the ring on that's that's an opulent ring. It just yeah. it exudes power with the watch, <laughs> with the big watch. And you're like, as you can see here, this is a chart of your future earnings. But if we flip to the next page, here's what it is with the big 12. Look at that. That is increment, actually more than incremental. That's significant growth. Yeah. So here you can review that and then you shove it in their face and you say, so what do you think? Guys, you got an hour. You got an hour to review this. I think it's a no brainer. Take a look at this. Yeah. Uh, so Robert says, so by the stacked, I'm guessing we all have some depth as well, right? Yeah, we do on the offensive and defensive line. We've got a ton of depth. I don't think we have a ton of depth at linebacker at all. 
I don't know if the depth of defensive back is going to be the quality we need, so we'll see. We're going to let that play out. But uh, a lot of depth in the running back room, a lot of depth in the on the offensive line, a lot of depth at wide receiver, plenty of depth on the defense in, interior of the defensive line, a lot of depth there. Uh, and that's where that those are the only groups that I would call stacked. I think they're pretty well loaded at tight end, but those others are stacked. So yeah. yeah. Aaron writes, how do you expect him to uh, – how good do you expect him to get? He's talking about Jordan Travis. Biggest step would be the receivers not dropping passes. That would help. The numbers would go up. Uh, P. Simpson, I love you, brother. And I will be awake tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. watching Korea and Japan in the WCBC. I took a picture this morning, Tom, and tweeted it out. Uh, I said good morning to all of our, our followers, and, uh, and and here it was. What did I say? Uh, oh, I took a picture of the screen, which was me watching the WBC this morning, bright and earlier, early. Um, Tokyo, uh, it was in Tokyo, I think, and it was China and Japan. That's right. China the was rivals. actually hanging in there. Baseball was being baseball. It was 3-1 to one in the seventh inning, and China had two runners on. Look at that. You were watching. Uh, one inning. I watched one inning. It was <laughs> awesome. Just like the WBC is always awesome. <laughs> I love it. Trey writes, just curious, on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you both rank your golf game? Tom's really good. He just shot a 76 the other day. Uh, I am not really good. I'm capable of shooting 84. I might also throw up a 98. What's 10? Like, you know, John Rom? Because then it's like a 4. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, no, there's professional golfers are in a very yeah. different world. Um if I'm having a good day, like I said, I can shoot mid eighties, low eighties or something if I'm having a real good day. But if, if I'm having a bad day, I can shoot high nineties. We, um, we had a mini breakthrough over the weekend there, Trey, where that, that could have been an even par round, if not for a couple of mistakes. That was good. It was really good. I couldn't, I couldn't invent a way to get to even par for, you know, for a long time. So maybe a, maybe a six, we'll go with a six. Uh, Joe Smith. What is Tate Rodemaker's ceiling? A Sean McGuire. Oh, he's better than Sean McGuire. He's better than Sean. His ceiling's better than Sean McGuire. Sean was never going to be any good. Um, I would tell you that Tate's ceiling is better than Sean McGuire. I don't know if he'll reach it. You know, I still have questions about Tate. I just got, I, I don't know what the hell. He came out last year. That that Louisville game made me happy for him. They can never take it away from him. Many moons from now, when he's in his 40s, he'll, he had that moment he can talk about. It. It's great. It's great. And I mean that sincerely. That's not sarcastic. But I don't feel like it pushed him over the top. I don't know that I would trust him all of a sudden if he had to play a bunch. It's just nice to know that he can go there and envision the success that he had, which Correct. is going to help him. I it, I think that this quarterback battle for the next two camps is going to be legit for the second. Yeah, because you feel like Duffy could beat him out. Yeah, and I, I think that Glenn is going to push Duffy. I, I just I don't think that Glenn would jump Duffy. I, I think that everybody's keeping everybody honest from two to four, which yeah. is good. That's what you want. Uh, Zyler, will FSU's family culture and potential playoff berth minimize players transferring out this year? Uh, no, man. I think at the end of the day, no matter how much uh, people love a place that they're at, it's like it's like the job environment, man. If you have hit your ceiling from a financial standpoint, let's say, and the company loves you and you like going there and you enjoy being there, but you could make 20000 more right down the road, you're going to take the money, man. You're going to continue to strive to grow and build, you know, what you do. Uh, now, now there's, there's a cutoff. I mean, if you're making a million dollars a year and somebody offers you 1.2, but you're really freaking happy in the city you live and the environment you're in, you might turn down the 1.2. But 
I think more often than not, you're going to take the more lucrative position. And these guys, the, the money is the playing time. You know, in, in, in the NIL world now, too, you have legitimate money, like real money being offered you. And then also the incentive to be on the field to go make even more money, you know, in the NFL. If you're a player, every day might be great when you walk in that locker room. You may love your teammates and this coaching staff, but damn it, I'm third string. I'm not going to be seen behind these two dudes getting the bulk of the action. And I just got a call from Penn State to go be a starter at a major program in the Big Ten. I got to go. I got to go. I think they'll leave either way. I think I don't think there will be as much of a purge Zyler after the fall season. I, I think if there's going to be movement, it's going to be spring to fall. Because when you look at this roster and who's gone next year, if you're on that two deep, you're, you've got a lot of playing time coming to you next year. At, at receiver, you've got at least three guys that are gone. Uh, at running back, you've got the guy is gone and Trey Benson. At quarterback, the man is gone. On the offensive line, probably two or three will depart after this season. Defensive interior, your best three guys are gone. Defensive end, the dude is gone in Jared Verse after this season. Linebacker, uh, Tatum Bethune will be one of your two starters. He's got, I mean, you just, there's a ton of opportunity next year for the guys on the two deep. So as long as they get to fall camp, I don't think they're leaving, if they're good. Uh, not football, but who's your pick for the players? Uh, Joe, I picked, I'm in several pools um, this week, but I began this hour by talking about my picks. I was very pleased. I had Colin Morikawa this week, and I think he's at minus seven in the clubhouse. Um, I also had, I'm in a, I'm in a draft though. Um, so I'm not saying I would have picked him first, but he was, uh, one of, one of my guys right off the bat. I always like Scotty Scheffler. I think he's mentally tough and he's got the game for it. Um, but I also think Patrick Cantlay is going to play well. And Justin Thomas, who I picked, I don't know what's he doing. Is he hanging in there? I don't see, I, I got it on in the other room. Can't really see, but, um, I should look up Cantlay. Uh, we're going to sign off here in about five minutes. If you guys got any more questions, now would be the time to get them out there. Hey, Ryan, have fun in Norman, Oklahoma, man. It's a cool little city. I like it. Good college town. Uh, Cantlay shot even par 72 today. So he's decidedly – there you go. You see he was even par? Uh, Cantlay's even par. Thomas is even par. Well, he just doubled number four, and, and that put him to even par. So Scotty's a good pick. He's already in the clubhouse with a 68, and he was – right there last week uh, man, he's dialed in i know well he's just freaking good he's really good he's also like the nicest guy in the world and all that stuff he's got a lot going for him um i'm a little pissed off that you just told me Cantley went to even par he was minus two after 17 how the hell i mean my man just fall to pieces on 18 jesus Cantley. that must have been a misprint he must have been uh minus one he did bogey the ninth hole of par five that's hard to do i think out at sawgrass so i don't know how he got in trouble Makes me mad. Maybe he went in the drink off the tee. That's a hard hazard to hit, though. Well, yeah, I mean, if you hit a draw, you, I mean, I don't know. We have to look at it. Jeff, when you're at a baseball game, do you stop and pick up the card for chick, uh, card for chicken for the kids? Did I read that correct? Correct. Do yeah, I like when, when they get a certain uh, number of oh, strikes. Oh, oh, oh. Run production or whatever. It might be run production for the chicken, but yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I never do, Tom. I never do. I don't. I think it's a weird look for a press member to take advantage of the thing that's for the so for the, for the ticket buyers. 
that's a funny story real quick. So a regional, this is probably 10, 11 years ago. I won't say which sports information director did it, but Florida State is hosting. It might have been a super regional weekend. Last weekend of the season, they have stacks and stacks of promotional cards that just never got used from a, a, a local place. And they were just chucking them in the press box. Like, here, they expire. Please take them. I mean, so we got stacks of them. It's really hard, though, because you can't go to the place and, and, and use six of them on six items. You have to go individual times. So it, it's just hard to use those in bulk. Um, looking at spring break, writes William, in the 90s, Panama City Beach was the place to be and be seen. Where do the students go now? I don't know, but I think that I would go to that lake in Texas that everybody goes to because it looks crazy. And it was after my time. But whatever that lake is in Texas features a lot of women wearing next to nothing and a giant sunny lake and boats everywhere and people partying. I would like to go there. That would be a place that if I were of the age where it was yeah. appropriate, I, that, I think I'd go there. William, I think we're close, close-ish in age, William. Um, in our time, it was Cancun. Everybody just went to Mexico or they went to the Bahamas. Like they didn't that, go to PCB. They actually went on a trip somewhere. It's rather bougie to be just rolling into Cancun as a student. Christ. Well, okay, by everybody. I, you know where I went to high school? These are my friends. Yeah, these rich guys are just rolling into Cancun when they're 17. Good Christ. Yeah, no, I, like Zen members now. Who knows? Yeah, I – um. I, I went down to the Keys twice while I was in college, and the first time was after I left Etsu, and I, <laughs> this is crazy, I was drinking conch soup, uh, eating conch soup, and drinking a rather sizable mixed concoction, and uh, this girl sat down next to me, and she was pretty cute. And it's spring break and everybody's having fun. And so we strike up a conversation and uh, she goes, uh, where, where are you living? And I said, uh, Tallahassee. She goes, oh, oh, cool, cool. She goes, I have a friend who goes to Florida State. And I'm like, yeah. And we started talking. And then I go, where do you go to school? And she goes, East Tennessee State. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Crazy. So I was like, oh, I was just there a few months ago. <laughs> could, have been, could have been your wife in a different dimension. You never know. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? All right. I think we're done. I think we're I think we're probably pretty good, right? Don't you? I think so. Let, let me check the golf tournament real quick to see if uh, the spaces have uh, reduced all the more. There's only one single spot left for the golf tournament. And for the singles. So, uh, oh, for the singles, yeah. So if your name is Bob or Eric or Jonathan, you're all set. You're you're on that singles team. We we got one more slot open for that, and we have six places open at present for the shotgun start on April the 14th. Uh, is South Padre the name of the beach or the lake that I'm talking about, Ryan? What are you talking about? Probably. He's a Texas guy. So. Yeah, he is. I don't know. Uh, Destin. Oh, man. You know what I thought about? Uh, you know, I was thinking, Tom, I'm going down to to see the Lightning play on Saturday night, and then Sunday I'm going to see the Pirates and the Braves. When we get back to town, my kids are on spring break, and one of them is going to D.C. and New York, which we've talked about, but the other one is stuck here with me and – his mother, and we were trying to figure out what to do. Is everybody on spring break in the state of Florida? I think pretty much. Yeah, I think the public schools, isn't that uniform throughout the state, or am I oversimplifying things? I don't know. I don't know if it is or not. In other states, they don't start, you know, like, I I don't know. Um, I was high hoping... school, we got Easter break in high school, so we were very different from spring break. Um, no, so South Padre is a beach. I don't even know what I'm talking about. I don't know. I 
the big lake in Texas, guys. You know the one. <laughs> That's where I'm going. That big lake in Texas. I think people get arrested there all the time. There's probably some nefarious things going on there. And I think if I were 21 years old, I'd want to get into all that nefarious. Yeah, you want to say glorious instead of nefarious. I hear you. It's just good stuff, man. It's decadence <laughs> in the highest order. It's spring break. It's a den of iniquity, only it's a lake. All right. Uh, that's it. Thanks, guys, for being here. This was fun. We will do more of this. I enjoy this format. This is great. It's an opportunity to just have a conversation and answer questions and, and, and do all that good stuff. I like it. Um, promo, promo time. 6 p.m. tonight is a live recruiting chat on Warchan TV. 6 p.m. tonight. Hey, and the Knowles are forecasted to get the number one tackle in the country. Did you know that? I'm sure that will come up tonight at 6 p.m. Also, I think it's fair to say, sir, you were out there yesterday with me. There's a different class of high school recruit coming to check out Florida State practices. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Talented big ones. Yep. That's true. It's exciting. Uh, so tune into that tonight at 6 o'clock, guys. You'll enjoy it, and you'll learn something about uh, what the kiddies are doing, which is a good thing. Uh, good job, Director Matthew. Thank you, Tommy. You know, I'll talk to you later on, and um, thanks to all of you guys. Have a great rest of your Thursday. Peace. Enjoy the golf. <laughs>